Hello, everybody, and welcome in. This is Slow Your Roll. We are here on a Thursday, a lot different time slot than we've usually been doing. Had some things going on down in New Orleans. It will be just me, Dominic Lorenzano, along with you today, our guest, college football guest calling in from South Carolina to do the other part of the show. Jesse is out this week. He should be back on Monday um, or whenever it is next week. We do the next show. He'll be good. But uh, just me today, and we got plenty to talk about with our guests who will be coming in, a lot of college football stuff. We'll talk the Atlanta Braves, Pats, Deshaun Watson. Uh, But let me, before we get to him, we'll be here for the most of the show. I'm going to get into this real quick. So the Patriots take down the Chargers, 27-24. Justin Herbert looks like the class of all the young quarterbacks, and yet Bill Belichick once again proves that he is just the bane of the existence for all young quarterbacks, even one who seemed to be head and shoulders above the rest. Herbert was 18 of 35. He threw two picks. And that's one of the huge reason why the Pats are able to take this game. The Pats are still everything I said. I think they're not dynamic enough. They're not up with the times completely, but you look around the AFC right now, are the Patriots going to make the playoffs again, just because everybody else is dysfunctional. I mean, the Cleveland Browns have one of the best rosters, and it's a bunch of nonsense this week. The Raiders have an interim coach. The Chiefs are a mess. The Chargers just lost to the Pats anyway. Derrick Henry goes down to the Titans. I don't know if anyone really trusts the Colts right now, though, anyway, to even catch up with Tennessee, but we could see what happens there. Bills seem to be head and shoulders above the rest. Lamar can be inconsistent. I don't trust the Bengals yet. So you look around the AFC, other than the Bills, Are you that confident that anyone is keeping the Pats out of the playoffs? I don't know. When I look at the roster, it doesn't seem like it should be a playoff team. When I look at the rosters and watch some of the other teams play, sometimes I don't think the Pats should be a playoff team. But then I look around about a bunch of the nonsense once again, and I think to myself, my goodness, are Belichick and the Pats going to do it again? I don't know. Let's transition to this. Some of the other, as we get deeper into some of the nonsense, the Cleveland Browns can't get out of their own way, no matter how talented their roster is. Odell Beckham, his dad's dropping Instagram videos of Baker not throwing him the ball when he's open. Don't love that all the time, but I get it. He wanted out of Cleveland. He's wanted out of Cleveland for three years now. And for the most part, he's actually not been a distraction. He's been a good soldier about it, but we all know this didn't fit. Cleveland should have traded him at least a year ago. And Odell wanted to make one last desperate attempt to get out. And unfortunately, it didn't work. And now here are the consequences. He's not going to practice. He's probably going to be released here at some point, though I think that is probably kind of what he wanted. And considering the Saints were interested in the trade, you'd think Odell's going to get picked up eventually. But listen, when it comes to the Instagram video, I know there's context to everything. But boy, it's 11 minute video of Odell being wide open and Baker not getting him the ball. And I understand he might not have been the first read on the play or whatever. But man, there's some of those that you'd think, why is Baker not able to get him the ball? And I'm not a conspiracy theorist to think Baker's not is doing this on purpose. I don't think that's it at all. I just think Baker is under pressure a lot, not feeling as healthy, obviously. And I just don't think he goes through reads and makes great decisions all the time. And I think Odell's a weird fit in this offense. I don't think him and Mayfield have a great bit of uh, chemistry together. And I think that's why Odell should have been moved a long time ago. But the Browns are the Browns and they do what they do. And once again, it seems like they're Browning. There's no excuse. 
that this team should be four and four. There's no excuse that they should have lost to the Steelers last week. Kudos to Mike Tomlin, who's doing an amazing job, despite the fact that his offense is broken. Big Ben is a dinosaur. He can't throw the ball accurately more than 10 yards. Their offensive line is meh. But Mike Tomlin coaching defense, and they're able to win some games they shouldn't. And that's why they beat the Browns last week, even though the Browns are the better roster. Another dysfunctional situation. I've talked about this quite a bit. I would have gone out and gotten traded for Deshaun Watson because I just like being aggressive. I think it wins in sports. I think, once again, the Braves winning the World Series a couple of days ago uh, proves being aggressive wins. The Rams win a lot. The Rams are hyper-aggressive. They continue to be aggressive, and they went out and got Von Miller. So I would have traded for Deshaun Watson. However, once rumors started to fly and being leaked, Miami needed to make a decision. We're either all in and we're going to make it happen, or we are completely out, no longer wanting to talk and make negotiations. This staying in the middle, this not making a decision, completely tanked the season. Now, I'm not going to say it's the only reason they're bad. Clearly, it's not. No one becomes one in six, one in seven, whatever it is right now, just because of one thing. It's not a great team. It's not as good as we thought. And I don't like the quarterback. But it clearly didn't make things better. I think it clearly has made the locker room not trust in Tua even more. They didn't even name him captain. This all started before the season even started, too, uh, with Miami. And once again, dysfunctional franchises are doing what dysfunctional teams do. Completely ownership, GM, all that getting in the way of the football season before the ball was even kicked off. On to the next thing, the Atlanta Braves. We've talked about this quite a bit on the show. Win the World Series, taking down Houston in game six. What a story, an amazing story from the Braves. Uh, just the pinnacle of what I think works in sports in these day and age. Uh, sports has never been more popular. Sports have never made more money. And there's never been more, uh, there's never been more pressure to win. And I think if you want to win big these days, you must be aggressive like never before. I don't think standing pat and just sort of half in, half out really gets you where you want to be anymore. I think if you look at the titles uh, won by teams in all of the major sports, it seems like the last couple of years, uh, they've usually been hyper aggressive in some way, especially when it comes to deadlines and stuff like that. Rams doing it again with Von Miller, uh, you know, Mookie bets to the Dodgers, so many other things. The Braves, Eddie Rosario, one of the midseason summer pickups, bangs out 14 hits in the NLCS against the Dodgers. They don't win that series without him. And then Jorge Soler in the World Series hits three home runs, knocks in six, and wins the World Series MVP. He was a midseason pickup. The Red Sox picked up Steve Pierce, and he won the World Series MVP. And they didn't have him at the start of the season on the roster. So all about aggressive moves in sports. I think they pay dividends. Uh, if you want to win championships. Lastly, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers has COVID and he will be out for at least this week uh, against the Chiefs and could even be out next week against the Seahawks. I'm not into forcing people to do things that they don't want to do. I'm not into it. I make my own choices. I'm confident in the choices I make and protecting myself. Everybody else is free to make the choices they want to make. I don't want to live in a world where we demand people do this and that. I'm not into it. There's been a bunch of hacky sports writers uh, since this came out writing, in my opinion, some ridiculous articles on why this is suddenly 
the reason everyone needs to turn on Aaron Rodgers, boo him at every stadium, blah, blah, blah. We should be constantly harassing and asking questions to every NFL player if they're vaccinated or not and shaming them if they're not. I'm not into that. I will say this, though. If I was Aaron, I probably would have got vaccinated, too. Just because there's millions of dollars on the line, you are the leader in the face of a franchise, a billion-dollar franchise, and every season is a chance to build a legacy for yourself that could last forever. (sighs) What is Aaron's legacy? Super talented, but he's losing a bunch of NFC championship games recently. One Super Bowl win and nothing but NFC championship losses uh, the last couple of times he's been. And now all of a sudden, if he misses two weeks and Green Bay loses both of those games, and you would think if Aaron was there, they don't lose both those games. Maybe they go one and one because Russell Wilson could be back for the Seattle game. Maybe they lose that. Maybe they lose the Chiefs game. But you'd think with Aaron there, they probably at least go one and one in these next two games. What happens if they go 0-2? The NFC is super top-heavy, super competitive. There's a bunch of really good teams. And Green Bay could find themselves on the road in the NFC Championship game if they even make it. Maybe they could find themselves on the road in another playoff game too. So I don't think it's, I think it would have been worth it to go through the risks or whatever it was just to make sure that you were doing everything possible to put yourself in the best advantage to win the most uh, for the regular season and the playoff season. But be that as it may, Aaron didn't do it. It will cost the Packers though, because like I said, if they go 0-2, In these next two games, it could very much mean that they aren't at home for the NFC Championship game in the playoffs, and we know how hard it is to win on the road in the playoffs, especially matched up with the fact that the top teams in the NFC kind of all look even between the Buccaneers, the Cowboys, and the Rams, and the Packers. So not great by Aaron Rodgers there. But it does present an opportunity for Green Bay. As we've said, maybe you take a step back to take two steps forward. And now in no way do I say this is a great thing for Green Bay, but silver lining. Green Bay gets a chance now to see Jordan Love for a game against a bad defense in the Chiefs, who probably doesn't have a ton of tape on Jordan Love and a ton of time to prepare. You will get to see now this week and maybe the week after if there really is a future moving forward from Aaron Rodgers in Jordan Love. If he plays well, if he slices and dices the chief secondary you feel good about what seems like could be Aaron's last year what you do moving forward if he doesn't play well in these next game or two maybe you know at least that if Aaron leaves you must be another team on the quarterback market whether it means signing a veteran making a trade moving up in the draft whatever it is it possibly could give the Green Bay Packers clarity moving forward So I think despite how bad it is that you could go 0-2 these next two games if Aaron misses both, there is a silver lining for Green Bay and that you know what you need to do next year at the quarterback position. All right, with all that being said, guys, we will be going to a quick break and stay with us. We will be back with our guest from South Carolina, Larry, for the rest of the show to talk some college football. The Braves a little bit and a little bit of NFL stuff at the end to Sean Watson and the Patriots. Stay with us, guys.
Welcome back, everybody. We are back here with Slow Your Roll. Dominic Lorenzano in today. Jesse will be back with us on Monday. But I am in now with our college football uh, expert guest down in South Carolina calling in. Larry, he's going to talk with us from college football and a few other things, uh, too, since he grew up in New England. We'll talk about my Pat's take and just what's going on in the AFC a little bit, too, along with some other things. So uh, welcome back, Larry. How are things down there in South Carolina? Pretty good, but it's getting chilly out here now. It's uh, in the 50s at night and it just barely makes 75 in the daytime. So I'm kind of wondering if I should go further south. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? That kind of sounded like when I was just in New Orleans. That's not massively different. Oh, isn't New Orleans pretty hot, like Florida? Well, I mean, I would say 75 was about oh, where we okay. were. But I, I, we did not get all the way down to 50, though, at night. Okay. We got down, we got down to about 60 to 58 range. Yeah, so you know, it's like a it's like a greed thing. You move away from New England because you don't want it to be fifteen, and you get to a place where it's, it might drop to forty six, but you you get greedy, you know. <laughs> no, I got you. I got you all the time. Listen, I, when I was leaving on uh, on Tuesday, I was like, "Do I really want to leave?" I don't know if I yeah. do. <laughs> I bet. I bet. All right, but anyway, let's get into this right away. Actually, we're gonna start out with the first thing. you're on for college football for the most part, but. You were in you were in Atlanta for when Acuna went down. I was too. But I always want to talk about how amazing it is, the Brave season, how they got to this point, winning the World Series, the storylines and everything behind that. So what was your opinions on when you were down there in Atlanta? Uh well, in the, that's in the fallout of the Acuna yeah. injury. We had uh, it was a fun trip, as you know, it's a special place, mm-hmm. and but it was a fun trip. Uh, and you and I were were managing along with Snifter about trying to figure out that lineup every night. <laughs> like you use Heredia, Almonte, who are these guys? Um, uh, Arias was playing outfield. It was it was a lot of fun. And um, as you said, the Braves did not stand pat, did they? They uh, they said. You know, these guys all work hard and the good players, but we're not going to win a uh, we're not going to get to the World Series with uh, Guillermo Heredia and, uh, and Almonte sharing outfield time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they certainly did something about it. And it was just a great, a great thing. Yeah. Matter of fact, you know, when we were there, um, Dansby Swanson batted either second or fifth. And by November, and when they were winning a title, he was the number nine hitter. So you might say that lineup got a bit stronger. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's funny at the end of the day, they had 88 wins and there was a lot of jokes thrown around about like everyone else at 100 something. But I think when they made the moves that they did, if you were a actual fan of baseball and paid attention and looked at the roster, the lineup and what they were throwing out mixed in with Morton and Freed at the front of a rotation, you actually thought to yourself, this is actually a really good roster again. At least that was my opinion on it in the play. Oh, there's no doubt. We, I think we knew that. And uh, they were going to get Darno back as well. And um, I think at that point, Ian Anderson might have been down too. Yes. I'm not sure. So yeah, he was. I had those people coming back too. It was still a good it, – it obviously, to have those kind of injuries and still stay at 500, you've got to be a, a decent team, right? So I think we knew that. And um, certainly Mr. Um, – Mr. Greek name I can't pronounce, know it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and they, uh, they did their thing. So it was a great story. You know, another thing I want to point out about baseball, mm-hmm. and um, I think it points out where baseball is different 
I think, you know, NFL, we know how important the quarterback position is. In the NBA, there's only five people out on the floor at once, so one yeah. guy makes a huge difference. But baseball really continues to prove that you don't win it because you have a superstar in your lineup. No. This, this team won it without the great Acuna playing outfield. Um, you look around. Uh, how many World Series has, has Mike Trout been to? None. How many has Harper been to? None. The Nationals, won, the Nationals won a World Series the year he left. Exactly. And it's not a knock on those guys. No. But baseball is so different, isn't it? It really is. It is so different. And it, 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 it's different also in the respect that you can be built for the regular season and not yeah. built for the postseason as well. That's another thing, too, about baseball. That's true. That's true. Um, but and there's and there's other I can't think of any names now. But there's other situations you just don't seem to win it by by getting that uh, that super superstar player in baseball. It just takes a bunch of guys doing a good job. It takes the Steve Pierces mm-hmm. and guys like that and the Eddie Rosarios, you know, to, to to do it for you. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know my opinions too on. Uh the way it plays out in the playoffs and what I think doesn't work as well, which is why I think the Yankees can't make it far, but be that as it may, but (laughs) I'm just saying home run, home run, home run Kings in the regular season. Don't make the world series. Were the Braves a home run team now with the postseason? I mean, they, they were, but Eddie Rosario bangs out 14 hits in the NLCS. They're not all home runs. True. True. No. Yeah. They also probably had the best and longest starting pitchers for the most part. I mean, they use their bullpen a ton, but Freed goes six. Morton wins six a couple of times. You know, it's just, it's unbelievable. You called it when you called it destiny. In the middle of the year, when people were talking about teams and and critiquing baseball clubs, when they mentioned the Braves, they would say, yeah, but but that bullpen, but that bullpen's got to get better. Oh, can have you ever seen a hot streak from a bullpen like that in your life for a month? No, no, the, no. Um, the only bullpen I can even think of being as close to as good as that in the playoffs was the Giants. And that bullpen was good all year, unlike the Braves. Right, right. Yeah, so it, it was just incredible. I loved it uh, from a storyline perspective, everything that went down with the Braves this year. So loved it, loved yeah. it, loved it. It was not a great. It was not a great World Series, but um, no, but good for the Braves. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's get into the college football playoff rankings. They just released, and uh, you know, if you're a fan of the underdog and and small conference, it was not a great ranking system for you with the way it came out. Georgia at number one, Bama number two, Michigan State three, Oregon four, Ohio State five, Cincinnati at six. I want to get your initial thoughts on the rankings before I get into some of the questioning and stuff afterwards. Um, I would not have rated Oregon ahead of Cincinnati. Um, Okay. And I think everybody was surprised by that. Um, um, Especially considering that you talk about group of five versus the power five, but and, you know, I'm a fan of the Pac-12, as you know, but, I mean, there's an argument that the, the American Conference is just as good as the Pac-12 right now. So I think everybody was shocked a little bit by that. I think, obviously, that win at Ohio State is going to go a long ways. Mm-hmm. 
for the Ducks. So surprising there. But the thing, and I, I haven't heard, I haven't heard Fickle with one quote since this. Maybe he's playing it cool, and I hope he is. And I think Cincinnati fans might realize it's it's not a real reason to get upset because if you look at the five teams ahead of them. Um, and obviously, Michigan State, Ohio State play each other. So you move up one there. Yeah. Um, and then Alabama has to play Georgia. The problem is you're not going to necessarily move up one there because if if Bama beats Georgia and they both have one loss, they're both probably going to be in. Yeah. At Georgia, if Georgia beats them, though, you would think that, that Bama's out. It matters what type of game it is. You think... If it goes down, yeah, if Bama gets two losses and loses to Georgia by by a touchdown at the end, Bama gets in, in my opinion. You really do you you think they take a two loss Bama team over an undefeated American conference team? Yes. Wow. And I think they just showed I think they showed that for this first ratings. Okay. That I mean, is they have Bama's now number what, three or two or three? Bama's two. Bama's two. I mean how far would they drop if they lose a a nail biter to Georgia in an SEC title game? How much do you deserve five, to drop? Five, huh? five. There <laughs> you go. You sound like a bear guy. <laughs> uh, listen, I listen. I I get it. I get it that if I if we're putting Vegas odds on it and we're looking at just the rosters, they're better. But at some yeah. point, the games have to matter. It has to be about earning it too. At some point. You're right, and there's no doubt Cincinnati's would Cincinnati would root for Georgia to win that game. There's no doubt about it. Um, if it comes down to that, but you know, um, you know, Oregon could win out and then get in there um, again by winning a conference that's not all that strong. If that OSU win at at Columbus, it's just going a long ways. I think Oklahoma's Oklahoma's like the question mark in all of this, isn't it? We it just is. don't know how good they are. Hmm. Absolutely. And, and Texas's strugglers are not doing Oklahoma's any any favor. We'll probably quickly go into that at least a little bit uh, right. in a few. But um, so I want to go back to you actually kind of answered my question already, but I want to go into it further. So okay. Oregon gets to be ahead of Cincinnati, despite the fact that I mean, there's no other way to put it, in my opinion. The, the Pac-12, particularly the South, is dreadful. I mean, they have a losing record outside of conference. The entire conference does. BYU would be the champion of the South right now. So I found I was really shocked by that. I know they beat Ohio State at Ohio State. I know that's so impressive. It was not quite the same Ohio State team as it now. And it's not like they've blown through the Pac-12 completely since. And it's just been so bad. Well, they've had some tough games, yeah. I know it. And, uh, they, they, you know, I'm not so sure they'll go undefeated the rest of the way. I mean... Washington has not been that good, but they might be getting better. They had a win last week. Washington State just with a big win uh, at Tempe mm. to beat the Sun Devils. And Oregon State, what about, I mean, the Beavers are playing well. So um, I'm not sure Oregon will even go undefeated the rest of the way. Then, oh, they have to play at Utah in a regular season, too. So Yes, they do. So, you know, I think since he still has a good shot at it, and I think that's why um, I didn't hear Luke Fickle say a thing to do. No but, no, but he's not a public kind of guy anyway. He's not, no. Which is why I don't think he would ever work at USC. <laughs> you mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't think it's the right fit uh, over yeah. there for, for Fickle to be there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you, I know, think, I think, you know, for, I think Oklahoma, though, is a funny that, the the, the, um, the Big Twelve is still the best challenge, and I think they still have Iowa State and Oklahoma State left. Um, 
maybe K-State, I'm not sure, maybe West Virginia, I can't think right now, but um, um, if you know, if they go undefeated in that conference and win a title game, oh, Baylor, Baylor left too, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. It is. That's pretty impressive, yeah, so it'd be hard to keep them out, yep. So Cincinnati, it looks like, is going to need some help, in your opinion. Because uh, you, I mean, you think, you think if the game's close, you think Bama could get in with two losses. If Oklahoma runs the table, they probably get in. So. Yeah, I think Cincinnati needs one bit of help because let's assume um, we'll take one of the Big Ten teams, Michigan State or Ohio State. Um, um, let's see. So they get in there. Um, let's see. So they go to pass one of them. So they need one of the, they need to either Oregon to lose a game or Oklahoma to lose a game, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Undefeated Oklahoma gets in ahead of them, and a one-loss Pac-12 champion Oregon gets in ahead of them. So, need a little bit of help. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll move on to the next one here. Uh, Jim Harbaugh. They have looked better this year, but he loses again to Michigan State. I know if he beats Ohio State, this all goes away, but I don't think most people think they're going to beat Ohio State. Uh, do you think Jim is in a lot of trouble right now? Um. I would say if they lose, I would say if they lose to Ohio State again by three touchdowns or more, mm-hmm. I would say he's gone. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Go ahead. I, I think the Michigan State loss looks kind of bad. I know they're good, but like Mel Tucker hasn't been there that long. And you have to think that Michigan State would be ahead of schedule on their rebuild to be beating Michigan. That good point. I know. I mean, it's a lot of transfers. Listen, Walker looks amazing. I get that. But it's a lot of transfers. And like I said, Mel Tucker's only been there for like two years. It was a really bad program kind of when he took over. I know they had some things there, but it really had fallen apart quite a bit. So I, I think yeah. with how long Tucker really had been there and how ahead of schedule you think this should be, I think it's a pretty bad loss. Uh, for Harbaugh yeah. in Michigan on that one. Right. If you look at it that way, it is. Yeah. Uh, um, that's a good point. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Again, he's going to, obviously he's got to be uh, losing, a, uh, losing a Penn State won't help him either. No. And uh, Penn State did come back a bit, you know, played well last week, surprised me there. So we'll see. Jim is interesting. I know. Yeah. Do you ever feel sorry? Do you ever feel sorry for him? And never. <laughs> I kind of feel a little sorry for him sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think he's I think he, I, I think he gets a little bit too much hate and a little bit misunderstood. I think he's just a super intense guy who's all about winning, and it rubs people the wrong way sometimes. I think Michigan can be a little delusional, also. The uh, a little. <laughs> the, yeah. um, the, the, the quarterback looked really good, McNamara. But that brings me to another point. I haven't researched this yet, but you talked about Ken, Kenneth Walker. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a talent. But do you know where he transferred from? Uh, I heard it at one point, and now I can't uh, remember. Wake Forest. Isn't that amazing? I'm just trying to think of if the Deacons had him, too. So I don't know what the story was there. Maybe they have a very good running back. I don't know who their running back is. Maybe Nobody it was, knows much about maybe, Wake except for Sam Hartman, right? Yeah. I mean, well, maybe it was academic. Maybe. I mean, listen, yeah. Wake, Wake's not the easiest maybe. place academically. No, no. It could be, yeah. I'll have to do some research on that. I should have been ready for the show. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that I was gave, You gave plenty of great answers. There's, there's so yeah, much. Got, 
college football is too many teams and too many players to know it all. Exactly, exactly. I just, I just thought that was fascinating when you looked at where we transferred from, and there's a team, one of the, one of the few Power Five schools, undefeated at this point. So, yeah. No, I get that 100. Yeah. Um, Arnie. So you mentioned Penn State. They yeah. haven't looked as good lately, and that takes us into the next thing, which you're talking about the LSU, the USC openings. Uh, you talked about Penn State. Let's start with the USC opening, James Franklin. Uh, what you might think about Franklin, how it's affecting Penn State, and then go into maybe what you think USC is looking for in a coach and who do you think is on the table? Um, they want a coach who uh, has experience, I think, has proven he can be a winner um, and has done well at, uh, at reputable institutions where where academics make a difference. Mm -hmm. And Franklin checks all those boxes, obviously having come from Vandy. And of course, as you know, USC is located in Los Angeles. So you have to be able to communicate in a friendly way. You have to look okay on camera. Mm -hmm. You have to be witty. I think the job is his. I think it's done. Really? I do. I don't, I think it's all over. And oh, wow. I have not, I have not seen Anything close to a strong counter, a strong um, refuel, what is the word? I haven't seen Franklin ever say something about, I'm the Penn State coach forever. I signed this contract. I have no interest in USC. Have you ever heard that from him? No, no. <laughs> and I think that's part of why it's affecting Penn State down the stretch here. I've, I've even, well, as you know, I've mentioned that before. Um, the Illinois debacle was just incredible. Yeah. Just yeah, a was, sad day in Penn State football history. It really was. It really was ugly. And you don't, but you don't think that maybe with the Penn State struggles here down the stretch, you don't think that will have any effect on USC wanting to hire him. No. Okay. No, I, mean, I don't. I don't. It's, and he probably got. I think he got helped by that performance Saturday in Columbus. I didn't catch the game in part because there's so many things on, and because as a Penn State fan, I didn't expect it to be close because they were so bad against Illinois, but uh, he, to, hit, to Franklin's credit, he did, he did restore the uh, morale there and they played them tough, right? They did. Good they game? did. Yeah. They, they, they did play them tough. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. Actually, there's a fumble, a fumble return for a touchdown for Ohio state. that must've been critical in that yeah. game. Yeah. And you know, it is funny now. I wasn't thinking, but in terms like that, but it is funny that you say that because now that I think about it lately, I have not heard, a ton of other names really come up for the USC job. Exactly. Yeah. Other than other than that brief little Mike Tomlin spiel, which was interesting. <laughs> what was that all about? I don't... <laughs> Listen, I don't know. All I know is if I was USC, I would have given him a blank check. But I'm sure Tomlin's not really. In. Oh yeah. No. I think Mike Tomlin would pay perfect uh, for yeah. USC, but he's not going to leave. He's not going to leave the Steelers in Pittsburgh. I mean, no. why would you? And you think Tomlin, you, think, you don't question the way Tomlin's handled the Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown stuff over the last few years? Um, Not that Antonio can be handled. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm starting to come around on Mike Tomlin a little bit. I think, yeah. a lot of, I think a lot of the problems and the dysfunction was Big Ben. With Big Ben? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think if you, if you watch the job that he is doing right now with an offense that's completely broken, that can't put up points, in a offensive league that they're even able to win games, I think is a big credit to Mike Tomlin. Yep. He's not always my cup of tea. Sometimes he can make some crazy decisions and maybe he's not quite as buttoned up as Belichick and stuff, but uh, 
with the, the that three ring circus that was going on all those years a lot of yeah. that i think i put on big ben okay i okay. think i think big ben might have made some of the ad stuff worse if you see how he's behaved with brady i mean right big ben, big ben has his own neediness and weird comments he would make in the media and yeah unnecessary things so i think a lot of that might be on him a little bit okay moving on though lsu the other big job opening right now uh we've heard lane kiffin was one of the bigger names that we've heard so far uh what do you think they're looking for and who do you think is probably on that whittled down list of names that that you think is is lsu is probably trying to get um mel tucker's another one we've heard yeah, I, don't, I think I don't you think it's between Mel Tucker and um, and uh, oh, I can't think of his last name from Louisiana. Oh, uh, Napier. Yeah, Napier. I, I I can't see Kiffin. I mean, I know LSU has more tradition than Ole Miss, but isn't it kind of a sideways thing? Uh no. No, no, it's not sideways. No. Okay. I, I don't think, I think the bigger issue is I don't think Kiffin fits the LSU culture. You don't? No. No. Too From much, the, too much, too much easy, too much fun. Yeah. A little, a little too crazy, a little too much, as you say, fun, a little too new school. I think they like a physical sort of presence to their team and the top. Okay. Level. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, listen, not that I'm out down there interviewing LSU fans all the time, but the ones that I've talked to have not, given me great responses on how they would feel if Lane Kiffin was their head. Coach. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that. They think, you know, we're LSU. We don't need a guy thinking that he's bigger than us. Yeah. His ego is more important than LSU football tradition. That kind of a thing, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. I, I would think that too, which yeah. I don't know if I quite agree. Cause I feel like you have to find some way to try to have some sort of personality and splash to rival with Saban and, uh, and Kirby to get recruits. But listen, Louisiana is a hotbed for recruiting. And if you have a good program, people will stay. So I yeah. see both sides of it there. Um, what what do you think is the better job? Between LSU, LSU and, USC? and USC? Yeah. Um, um, well, I would go for one point, and this goes back to what you said about James Franklin two years ago, is that um, – you know, Penn State, I think, is one of the top 10 traditions in the country. But mm-hmm. he's like banging his head against the wall playing in, in that same division as the guys in, in red and gray from the next state over, right? Yeah. It's almost like he's got a roadblock to winning a title. And, you know, Franklin Franklin has one goal. He wants to be the first African-American coach to win a national title. Yeah. So, so I don't think he has anything negative to say about Penn State except I can't play in his – Division, I can't, I have no chance almost. So LSU is in a similar spot, right? Yes. Yeah. So right there, I think USC is a better job. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. That is interesting. I, I think, I think LSU is the better job. You do? Well, how much longer do you think Saban has? Um, is Saban really going to be here? A, is Saban really going to be there another decade? He plays basketball with his coaches every other day. You look at his hair. I would say he's got 20 years left. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. I I, I see your point. It's just USC comes with so many other distractions and crap I have to deal with. I mean, 
how committed are they to football? I know they have some commitment to football, but are they all in the same way? Uh, almost all of my recruiting, I feel like is mostly going to have to come from Southern California. I mean, the SEC, I can get recruits from everywhere. As I said, I could block off the state of Louisiana. I, I, I just, I feel like from a distraction standpoint and all that other stuff, I just feel like LSU was a little bit better of a job. I feel like there's yeah. a ton of nonsense you have to deal with at USC. Hmm. Um, we'll see. I'm not sure. Um, nonsense. I guess nonsense. A lot of this is just being in the LA media market or. And your what your competition is. I mean, listen, when it comes to revenue and, and attention and focus and buy into the program, I have to deal with the Rams, the Chargers, okay, the Lakers. You got pro sports. You got a pro sports. Um, a pro sports distraction you don't have in in, in NOLA. Yeah, everybody's yeah. Everybody's all in. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's what, what I think. What's, what's bigger, the New Orleans Saints or LSU football? Uh, in New Orleans, the Saints. Once you leave that, LSU football. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, listen. Not that they don't love their Saints in Baton Rouge, but from what I've seen, the minute you leave New Orleans, it's about LSU. Okay. Yeah. That's that's certainly not true of the USC Trojans no. out there. No? Okay. All right. So uh, I want to just get into something quickly because I've talked about it before. It's his first year. I'm not saying anybody's in trouble or anything, but they're about to go into the SEC, and Sark and Texas still don't look much different than they did last year under Tom Herman. Is it fair to say that they might have jumped into something they didn't that they weren't really prepared for next year? That's just my take on it. No, I think um, I think I think um, that they're going in the right direction. Um, it's only his first year, so it's going to take time to get a little bit better. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, I wish I watched some of that Oklahoma State game. I thought Texas looked like the stronger team, and then I checked in fourth quarter, and then they were behind. Um, and the Oklahoma game again. It's what two years in a row they had that game won. Mm. So yeah, it's too early. It's too early to, to start. Worrying about Sark there, yeah, and which gets you to another point. It's so um, it's amazing. Um, it's amazing, as you all know, the lack of patience that administrators and presidents and athletic directors and pro 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 sports owners have with their coaching. <laughs> and I wanted to point out, and again. As you might know, I've always believed in patience and giving. I, I love continuity. Yes. Maybe it's part of being conservative. I don't like change. Let them stay there for a while. Give them a solid shot. I think Kentucky and Coach Stoops is a perfect example. Mm. Mm, that's a very that's a very good take. They gave them the job. I don't know how many years ago. It was maybe 50. I don't know. It's yeah. 15 or 10. And yeah. they didn't win right away, like like which was not expected with Kentucky football, but they stuck with them. Yeah. And now they're paying deeper. There's a continuity there. This, hmm. I think it's amazing. When you're continuing to start over all the time, it's like rolling the dice and going to Vegas. Let's hit it this time. Maybe we can get a seven this time. Hmm. Yeah, I love I, that. I mean, I listen, I do agree with that kind of thinking for the most part. That's why I, I supported Tom Herman staying at Texas. Exactly. How many years did he get there? Three or four? I'm not even sure. But. Like four years, but like, that's yeah. not, he took over kind of a mess also. I mean, under Mac Brown at the end, they weren't really a good team. 
you know, but I like that. I like that continuity. I, um, now, I don't know if Patterson's a good – I don't know if Patterson helps my argument or not because TCU has not played as well lately, and they gave him the, uh, the goodbye this week. But I think TCU has been a respectable football program. Yes, they have, absolutely. And I, I think um, – I understand why TCU would make the move. I did not agree with the way it was done because well, your program was nothing without Gary. It was his choice to leave mid-year, if you know that. True. Yeah. True. That is true because he didn't want to be a lame duck coach. Yeah. It just doesn't sit well with me the way it ends. And then I feel like you should give him to the end of the year before you even say it. Because I understand (laughs) him also not wanting to be a lame duck coach, but I would just let it ride out the end of the year. Uh, I just don't think it looks good. And, yeah. I think it's kind of what I, I wonder in some of these areas that we are, you know, we're, we're not spending time in the in a Fort Worth market or my next example is Kurt Ferenc at Iowa, by the way, when he talked about continuity. Mm-hmm. We don't spend time in those markets, but I bet there's probably tons of those fans who want those coaches fired all the time anyways, right? That's yeah. how fans are, right? Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, all right. So moving on, we're about ready to wrap this up in a few, but we're, in, okay. we're done with the college football talk. I just want to get your a few takes on a couple of NFL things. One of yeah. them being the Patriots, just because you grew up here in New England. You were here in New England during the entire dynasty. I have been a critic of them over the past two or three years. They're not dynamic. Belichick needs to catch up with some stuff on offense. But I look around the NFL and everything that has happened in the AFC over the past week. There's a ton of young quarterbacks. They ate Herbert alive, two picks, despite the fact he's supposed to be head and shoulders above the other young quarterbacks. I feel like this team could make the playoffs just because they're so much better run than everybody else. <laughs> yeah, you've uh, you've uh, you've complimented the stability that the Belichick team has, and that's that, that's a good point. Um, um, example: Cleveland Browns, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, there are top, I, there's no doubt if you look at the Cleveland Browns roster, it's a top yeah. roster in the NFL, and yet they can't they can't get out of their own way. Right. Right. Um, I just I think that's part of it, the, the, the stability and the the, the grown upness of the Patriots. I think uh, does mean something. Um, I think there's a lot of I think the in pro football is just tremendously balanced too. I just there might be one or two teams that really seem superior, but I really think thirty two teams, and I think you could I think teams like number eight through 26 are almost all equal. Do you know what I mean? I know. I get what you mean. That's the way I look at it. And, uh, but that's part of the reason why they can win. (laughs) (laughs) Even if you look at them and it doesn't look as good. Listen, at the end of the day, we're close enough that if I'm just ran better, like an adult and more buttoned up, I'm going to win games. I shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, look around the AFC. I'm just saying the Browns look like a mess. The chiefs are a mess. The Raiders have an interim coach. Derek Henry's gone down for the uh, for the Titans. It's just like I don't know, man. <laughs> and the Raiders have uh, got a new problem this week with somebody deciding to drive 156 miles an hour. Yes, yeah, uh, it's a tragedy. Um, it is. It is. Um. So yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, I think the paths. Are, I I I like the, I like the way they're going. You know, I don't get them down here in uh, Low Country all the time on TV. So. Mm-hmm. When I do get to see some, I'm still learning the defensive players. Hmm. Um, and there's a lot of changes in that team. So, yes. um, 
Um, I know Gilmore, they had, to, they had to replace Gilmore at corner. Is that Mills? No, what, what's his name? I'm not even sure his name. I've got to learn all these Mills. names. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the last one, I, I know you were doing some research on it. The Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, <laughs> rumors and trade stuff. Another sign of dysfunction, by the way, uh, from Miami. Because, listen, if you were going to be all in, I think once the rumors started to leak, you needed to make a decision to either completely back off or do it, no matter what the costs were. You couldn't be in the middle because now all you've done is kind of cause more distractions and destroyed everyone in the locker room's ability to have any confidence in your starting quarterback. Uh, what did you find, though, in your research of the Deshaun Watson stuff and, and everything like that? Yeah, uh, with a, with um, with a press conference slash article put out by um, – by the attorney representing the victims, the 22 victims, um, he made it sound like they were close to to an agreement um, on the civil cases uh, to make that thing go away. And he feels that, that Watson's attorney uh, wanted to get those civil cases settled in order to increase Deshaun's chances of, of being accepted by the Dolphins. Ah, okay. That's why they were close to settling those civil cases. But uh, it got to the end, and the the the, the language that you have to put it non no was it and it's the it's the language about talking about it afterwards. Um, the women did not agree to the language that Watson wanted in there. Ah, uh, okay. And so the whole thing fell apart. The cases didn't go away, and the Dolphins backed off. So I think that's where it all ended up. So that was my little bit of learning about law this week. Anyways, um, those 22 cases um, did not go away, and Watson still got that hanging over him. So we shall see. Yeah, I, I want... are, you, are you surprised the league never never suspended him? Yes. Yeah, I'm very, I'm, I'm very they, surprised. They don't, wait. they don't usually wait for the verdict, right? No. no why, I, did he get a, why did he get a break? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if maybe some of the stuff was so vague, the league was worried that if they suspended him and everything was dropped, that there'd be legal action against them from Deshaun and his attorneys. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, I will say that the NFL usually has set a precedent now that I look back on it. When you look at other suspensions for some sort of behavior, I mean, uh, who was, was it Marshawn Lynch who his was on video or maybe it wasn't Lynch. I forget. No, I Rice? Ray Rice. Oh, Ray Rice. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, as soon as I said Lynch, I was like, wait a minute. I thought he was a good guy. No, it was Rice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ray Rice. Ray Rice's was on videos uh, to an extent. Uh, the running back uh, who went to the Chiefs eventually was on uh, Kareem Hunt. Yeah, His was on video to a little bit of an extent, too. Um, so it does seem when it comes to stuff like this, uh, the NFL has looked for some video and or proof that makes it so there's no other way that they can say they can try and hide it or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe, maybe the fact that there was no... Um, now maybe violence is the wrong word because maybe sexual assault, maybe that's a type of violence. I'm not sure, but maybe those other things had real violence with striking somebody. Mm -hmm. That also includes uh, Trevor Bauer, who was accused, I believe, of strangling mm -hmm. a woman during during their play playtime. 
Um, that might be a difference too. Yeah. Uh, and and by the way, those again, even the Bauer one, there was pictures submitted. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yes, yes, there were pictures of stuff submitted. So I think okay. the lack of hard proof, right? That the NFL can't hide behind, like can't hide about, or anything like that, uh, was part of the reason why they did not take action against Deshaun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, not bad. Not bad. Getting paid. Getting paid in full all this time. I know, right? <laughs> It's like he's still in the pandemic days. And um, but I, I, want a quick, I want a quick I yes or no, because a lot of people disagree with me. If, yes I, was, no. if I was Miami, yeah. I would have done it. I would have traded. That's because you think Tua is like uh, a step below uh, Brian Hoyer. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if he's that good, they wouldn't be entertaining this. What do they have to win by by being involved <laughs> in this conversation? Good. Good point. I'm just saying, I mean, listen, how long, how many times is a generational talent at quarterback available on the trade market? Yeah. I just well, think we, we, no, we thought two years ago, we thought, uh, we thought uh, Tua was a, was a generational uh, talent. Uh, yeah, you all thought that. <laughs> you knew better. I didn't like him in college either. <laughs> I know you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You didn't like Lamar Jackson either, though. I know I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I will take an L on that one. Yeah, we'll see. I know. Is Tua doing better now? He's doing, is he doing a little bit better this year, would you say? Or? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is, is he getting the ball to Jalen? or A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, yeah that helps. Yeah, well, that will definitely help him. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you, Larry, for coming in with this one. Uh, what are you watching this weekend for college games? What, what really has your eye? Oh, boy. Let's see. Let me get my schedule up here because I can't. Uh, it's funny. why LSU plays Alabama this week, I think, and nobody even is talking about that. Yeah, that does not. I'll be honest. That game doesn't really have my eye. But, you know, the best football has already taken place. <laughs> let, let me give you some numbers. This is, these are the max scores this week as Maxson started. Here's the low-scoring one, 31-25, to 25, Ball State. After that, we have 35-33, 52-49, 42-30, to 30, and then 52-47. <laughs> That's crazy. And I tell you, so I'm watching some of those defenders on TV. They, I think they might be able to play in the Northeastern Conference. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, we um, um, Wake Forest in North Carolina. Good game. Yep. And for you betters out there, I did make a, a wager this week. I, I'm going to take Nebraska in 15 against okay. Ohio State. Um, okay. Do you know all six of their losses have been one score losses? Really? Yeah. Wow. So that is not a terrible football team at three and six. That's interesting. Be rocking and Lincoln is going to be rocking and rolling, right? Uh, yeah, I was going to say the game's in Lincoln, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I said we'll see. Ohio State's coming off playing Penn State. I think next week's Michigan State, so it's one of those in between weeks, kind of. That's not a bad bet at all, actually. I thank you. Although, how do you look past? Even though Nebraska is not that great anymore, nobody looks past Nebraska. In football. No. Anyways, We'll see. But uh, other games, let's see. Um, I don't know. You're going to go here. Let's see. Michigan State at Purdue. And 
Auburn at Texas A&M. So there you go. Not a, not a great, great week, but we'll see what happens. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Larry, for calling into the show. And uh, always a pleasure to have you. Yeah. Enjoying the show. Keep it up. Hope Jesse gets, uh, gets better soon. Yep. Yeah. He'll, he'll be all right. Like I said, he'll, he, he's due back on Monday. We'll be good. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thank okay. you. Thanks much. again. Yeah. Bye. Bye. A big thank you once again to our guest, Larry, there for coming in and calling in. Give us his perspective on college football from down there in South Carolina and a cover this time that we needed uh, with, with Jesse out this week. And Jesse will be back uh, on Monday, it seems, and we'll be back doing our normal show at our normal time uh, next week. As we said also, guys, on the Instagram page, at Slow Your Roll. Um, and yeah, at Instagram, Slow Your Roll, guys. If you have any messages for the show, want to follow for clips or anything else from the show, even just funny sports memes, uh, that are posted. We have a complete uh, web page uh, also, just slowyourroll.com, where we post all past episodes from the show, as well as links to some great sports articles for all the topics going on, and also articles from Jesse's Caulfield, uh, writer for the Yaki Way Report, also his articles on there as well. So thank you very much, guys. Have a good rest of your week, and we'll see you again on Monday.